Heavenly Father, we ask in a special way today that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, impress your truth upon us. Father, I ask that you would speak through me. Hide me behind your cross, Lord. Father, it is no small thing to stand before your people. Uh, As the surgeon who is preparing to do heart surgery, so is the work of the minister in the pulpit. And so, Lord, give me a delicate hand and speak through me, Lord. As you operate on the hearts of your people, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to open, like for you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, beginning with verse 34. Luke chapter 21, verse 34. The Bible says, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares for as a snare it shall come upon all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth what's that next word watch ye therefore and what pray always that you may be accounted worthy to do what escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the son of man jesus tells us that we should that we need to watch And pray that we may be found worthy to do what? Escape and to stand before the Son of Man. Why do we need to watch and pray? Why do we as human beings down in this time of earth's history need especially to watch and pray? I want you to notice with me the book of Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14, Beginning with verse 12, the Bible says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. The Hebrew there, har meaning mount, moed, meaning congregation. Lucifer desired to sit upon the har moed of God, the mount of the congregation. And what we find, what we know from our studies in the Bible, is that Lucifer was able to pull one-third of the congregation of heaven. One-third of the congregation in heaven. When you hear the term congregation, what do you think of? A church. Yes, indeed, there was a church in heaven, a church of angels. And if a church of angels was so shaken that one-third of them were deceived, holy, intelligent, 
thinking angels, how much more ought we? Sinful, weak humanity, down in the very end of time, how much more ought we to be what? Watching and praying. You see, we understand that this is the very same thing that Lucifer will attempt to do in the last days. The Bible tells us that the enemy of God will seek to sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He's going to try to do the same thing with the mount of the congregation on earth. By the way, how many of you are glad to be part of the mount of the congregation on earth? That's what you are. You're part of the, you are part of the mount of the congregation. And any effort to remove you from the mount of the congregation is the same effort that Lucifer waged in heaven. If you hear someone telling you, leave the church, that's nothing new. It happened in heaven. Watch, Jesus says, watch and pray that you may be found worthy to escape these things. In the last days, there will be a shaking. God tells us that, that the, the, these final events will come upon the world as a snare. This battle that the book of Revelation speaks about, the battle of Armageddon, the last day conflict, beloved, is a battle that is going to, to, to uh, revolve around the people of God. And I believe the signs are upon us. How many of you believe that? In fact, I want you to notice with me Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Matthew 24, verse 15, the Bible says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. By the way, pause right here. What we see here is a mirror image of what happened where? In heaven, Lucifer wanted to sit on top of the mount of the congregation. Now we're being told when you see him trying to do the same thing in the congregation on earth, in the holy place on earth, know that the time is what? Near. How many of you believe the time is near? Notice what Jesus says. When you see these things, Matthew 24, verse 15, or verse 16, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. The title of my message this morning, it's time to run to the mountains. It's time to run to the mountains. Now you all look very nervous. Pastor, I've heard these messages before. What are you trying to tell me? <laughs> it's interesting here. The word here for flee. Did you see that word there in verse uh, 15? The word there for flee, if you look up in the, in the Strong's Concordance, the word actually means escape. I don't know if you're following me. <laughs> Jesus said, pray that you may be found worthy to do what? Escape. And here he says, when you see these things, it's time to flee to the mountains or what? Escape. How many of you want to escape the things that are coming upon this earth? It's time to run to the mountains. Why does God call us to run to the mountains? 
Isn't it interesting? It's almost as though he's saying, listen, the great controversy began where? In a mountain. <laughs> the mount of the congregation. Where, where all was peace and all was, was, was joy. And it's as though God is saying, in these final times, I want to talk to you in the mountains. You ever notice how being up in the mountains just gives you that kind of clear mind, that peace, that you feel that closeness with God? There's a reason why God tells us to go to the mountains. Because there is where we can have undisturbed communion with God. There is where we can learn about the character of our God. Amen? Amen. It's time to run to the mountains. Have you ever wondered what mountain you're going to run to in a time of trouble? <laughs> what mountain would I run to? <laughs> you know, where am I going to go? Some people are already setting up their mountains. <laughs> I got a, you know, bedding, because, man, I hate to sleep on the floor, so <laughs> I set up my bedding, and just when everything is right, I know my mountain. <laughs> what mountain do we run to, beloved? While you ponder that, I want to suggest to you that there are some prime mountains that God desires his people to run to in the last days. Mountains that, that, that are crucial for us to run to. You want to know where these mountains are? Are you ready? I believe, beloved, that it is in the mountains that we ultimately prepare for that final battle. So God wants us to run to the mountains. What mountain? Let's start with Mount Moriah. It's time to run to the mountains. You see, beloved, when we run to Mount Moriah, and I'm talking about running to and fro in the scripture now, when we run to Mount Moriah, there we see the story of Abraham. You remember Abraham. And what we learn at Mount Moriah is that Abraham was so dedicated to, to God that he was willing to sacrifice his son. And, and, and the angel stopped him when his hand was coming down. And he said, stop, now I know that you what? Fear God. Beloved, when we run to Mount Moriah, we learn the fear of God. Something that is most definitely needed by the people of God in the last days. How many of you want the fear of God living in your hearts? Amen. Not only, beloved, should we run to Mount Moriah, I suggest that we run to Mount Sinai as well. I say God suggests that we run to Mount Sinai as well. Why? Because that is where Moses gets his first experience with God, that burning bush experience. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, where Moses gets this, 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 this coming closeness to God, this burning experience. How many of you need a burning experience, a burning encounter with Jesus Christ? Beloved, it's time to run to the mountains. There we discover what it means to draw close to God and to have our hearts burn within us and to be excited about the word of God. 
It is at this same place where God says to Moses, Moses, I have a mission for you. You are to go and call my people out of captivity. And Moses, I am calling you. It's time for us to run to the mountains. It's time for us to understand that God is calling us to call his people out of captivity. It's time to run to the mountains. Not only should we run to Mount Moriah and Mount Sinai, I believe we should also run to Mount Carmel. You remember what happened at Mount Carmel. Elijah and the 450 false prophets of Baal, and Elijah calls out, how long halts you between what? Two opinions. Beloved, when we run to Mount Carmel, there we learn that we must be either for God or against him, hot or cold. It's time for God's people to run to the mountains. Let me suggest this. While we are true physically to at some point and maybe even now begin to leave the cities and the countries, if you do not learn the lessons of the mountains of Scripture, you will simply be lost in the mountains. Maybe in two ways, lost and lost. <laughs> Double lost. <laughs> It makes no sense to run to the mountains if we have not first learned the lessons of the mountains of Scripture. It's time to run to the mountains. Beloved, I believe that we ought to run to Mount Zion, that range of Jerusalem mountains where we learn so much about the life of Christ, the ministry of Christ, where he sat upon the, upon the mount and gave the sermon showing who his father really was where he was transfigured, praying, Lord, help me to be transfigured. Help me to be transparent. Where we go and see Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Father, give me that same power to overcome temptations as Jesus overcame them. We ought to run to Mount Olive where we see Jesus agonizing in prayer and he tells his disciples, watch and pray. Hmm. And what were they found doing? Sleeping. Beloved, there we learn the awful lesson of the rooster. You remember the rooster? Jesus had said to Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter said, I'm going to watch with you. He says, you're going to deny me. And, and every time you hear the rooster crow, it will remind you that you have denied me. If Peter had stayed awake on the Mount of Olives, he would not have denied his Lord. Beloved, a time of trouble is coming upon this world. And if you and I are not found running to the Mount of Olives, guess what's going to happen? Come on, think about it. How many times do you hear the rooster crow in a day? Going someplace where you know you shouldn't go and all your friends are around and they don't hear it, but you hear it. Uh, I'm not even going to try to do it. <laughs> you hear it. And then you, <laughs> yeah, where were we? Beloved. It's time to run to the mountains. Now is the time. The signs are upon us, and if we do not learn the lessons of the mountains now, we will learn them all too late. 
There is a powerful illustration, and let me say a critical mountain that you and I need to run to in order to be prepared for the last days. And in order to understand the criticalness of this mountain, I want to take you back to the Old Testament with me, and I want to give you a, 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 a made-up figure, but this is actually a true representation. So we are going to discuss the character, a character by the name of Jael. Jael, nice Hebrew name. Jael lives... In Canaan. His parents came out of Egypt. Uh, they made it across the, the wilderness and they settled in Canaan. And, and, and now Jael has grown up in Canaan and he's, he's living a good life. He's got a good wife. He's got children, a, a, a good home. And, and Jael is, is, is a hardworking man. And one day, something happens to Jael. We don't know the details, but, but, but Jael, while he was at work, he accidentally kills a man. He runs home, and he begins to tell his wife and his family what has happened. And they immediately begin to cry because they know what this means. Jael must flee. He must run to what is called a city of what? Refuge. Why? Because there is an individual named the avenger of blood who is the closest of kin to the person that he killed. This avenger of blood was, was legally allowed to chase this man down and kill him if he found him. Go with me to Numbers chapter 35. Numbers 35 and verse 11. Numbers chapter 35, verse 11. I want you to notice this with me. Numbers 35, verse 11. I'll start with verse 10. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When ye be come over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the slayer may flee thither, which killeth any person at unawares. By the way, you want to know what that word flee means? Escape. God was providing a way of escape. For a person that killed someone, how? Unawares. Go with me again to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 19. And please don't lose me here, beloved. We are building up to something absolutely incredible. Deuteronomy chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. When the Lord thy God has cut off the nations whose land the Lord thy God giveth thee, and thou succeedest them and dwellest in their cities and in their houses, then shalt thou separate three cities for thee in the midst of thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. Thou shalt prepare thee away and divide the coast of thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee to inherit into three parts that every slayer may flee thither. And this is the case of the slayer which shall flee thither, that he may live. Whosoever killeth his neighbor, how? 
ignorantly, whom he hated not in time past, as when a man goeth into the wood with his neighbor to hew wood, and his hand fetcheth a stroke with the axe to cut down the tree, and the head slippeth from the helm and lighteth upon his neighbor that he die, he shall flee unto one of these cities, those cities, and live. Lest the avenger of the blood pursue the slayer while his heart is hot, and overtake him because the way is long and slay him. Whereas he was not worthy of death inasmuch as he hated him not in time past. Wherefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt separate unto thee these three cities. Jump over with me to verse 11. But if any man hate his neighbor and lie in wait for him and rise up against him and smite him mortally that he die and flee into one of these cities, then the elders of the city shall send and fetch him thence and deliver him into the hand of the avenger of the blood that he may die. Did you catch that? If the person was guilty intentional of intentionally killing someone, the law was he was to be taken out of that city and given over to the avenger of blood. The only way you could stay in the city is if you were innocent, if, you were, if it was not intentional murder. Jael is on the run. He is on the run. He is fearful for his life. In verse 3, we read, powerful, listen, beloved, in verse 3, we read that the roads were to be, uh, 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 that there was a way prepared, and this way, we're told, was to be, the, the, the roads were to, be, were, were to be smooth. All things were to be removed out of the way so that the person running wouldn't trip over anything or wouldn't, you know, he had a clear path of escape. You can read about that in the writings of the Spirit of Prophecy where she says the way was to be made clear. And on, this, uh, 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 on these roads, there were signposts that were basically pointing the way to the city of refuge. The Bible tells us you are the light of the world, a city. Set where? Yeah. A city set on the hill cannot be hid. Why? Because there are signposts that are pointing to the city. Do you realize that God has called you to be a signpost? Do you realize that there are people out there in the world today who feel the avenger of blood on their path and they're running and they're seeking for the city of refuge? And beloved, if you are not at your post, think of the guilt on your hands. Every time you leave a track somewhere, you're leaving a signpost. <laughs> doesn't matter where you leave it it's a signpost it's directing someone who may not even realize that they are running they just know that they're looking for something it's dark Jael is on the run why because he doesn't know who the avenger of blood is he doesn't know who this man's relatives are it can be anyone. He can be walking in the market one day and some complete stranger just walking by him and as he passes by, just turns around and puts one right in his back. He had no idea. And so everyone became suspicious to him. 
And to live like that was just, was just, would just drive a person crazy. So the one thing they knew they could do is run to the city of refuge. Notice with me Joshua chapter 20, verse 1. Joshua chapter 20, verse 1. Listen to what the Bible says here. The Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you cities of refuge, whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses, that the slayer that killeth any person unawares and unwittingly may flee thither, and they, may, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. And when he that does flee unto one of those cities shall stand at the entering of the gate of the city and shall declare his cause in the ears of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city unto him and give him a place that he may dwell among them. Praise God. And if the avenger of blood pursue after him, then shall they not deliver the slayer up into his hand because he smote his neighbor, how? Unwittingly and hated him not before time. And he shall dwell in the city until he stand before the congregation for judgment and until the death of the high priest that shall be in those days. Then shall the slayer return and come into his own city and unto his own house and unto the city from whence he fled. He was safe from the avenger of blood as long as he made it to the city. And beloved, lest you get bored, I want to share with you that there is an incredible truth here. You see, in Psalm 59, verse 16, you don't need to turn there. Write it down if you want to. The Bible says that God is our refuge. God is our refuge refuge well why do we need a refuge well guess what you are Jael you are guilty of something the Bible says that all have what sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and so that means that at some point, the reason why you are here today is because at some point, you realized you were what? Guilty. Any of you remember the moment that you first realized, oh, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Here is the realization of Jael. He realizes he's guilty just as you and I come to the realization that we are guilty. And now we must flee to the... I remember when I discovered I was guilty. I was out in the world doing my hip-hop thing, you know, whatever, whatever. And then all of a sudden, it dawned upon me that I was guilty. And I was like, oh, I need to find a city of refuge. I wasn't saying that in my mind. I didn't know what I was saying. But that's what the Lord was leading me to without me even knowing. And I began running. Running. And I began to see signposts were directing me. This is the way walking in it. This is the way walking in it. And beloved, isn't it beautiful that Jesus comes along and he says in John 14, 6, I am the what? Way, the truth, and the life. Beloved, he is the path. That leads us to refuge. But you see, here is where the parallel breaks down. You'll remember that if the person had intentionally killed a man, he was put out of the city. 
You see, you and I are guilty. Guilty of what? We're guilty of murder. I didn't murder anyone, Pastor. Yeah? You did. Who? The Son of God. Now you realize, what have I done? And you also realize... you. You have one hope, and that is to run to the city. But as you're running to the city, you realize something, that when you get into the city, you cannot plead innocent. Every time someone came by your door and knocked on that door, you intentionally turned away from Christ. Every time you sat down and heard the minister preach and made that appeal and said, come forward, you said, no, I don't want Christ in my life. You intentionally rejected him. Anyone guilty, may I see your hands? We're in church now. And so now we run to this city of refuge, and, and, and we're, we're saying to ourselves, well, man, if I stay here, I die, and if I go there, I die. I'm going to take my chances and go before God. Numbers 35, verse 12. Notice with me there. Numbers 35 and verse 12. Numbers 35, verse 12 says this. And they shall be unto you cities for refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer die not until he stand before the congregation in judgment. Isn't it beautiful that God, we come to God, and even though we plead guilty, are you with me? Even though we plead guilty, God says, I'm not going to put you out of the city. Now, if we plead innocent, <laughs> it wasn't my fault, God. It was an accident. That's not true confession, is it? When we plead guilty, God, the mercy of God begins to flow out, and he says, we are forgiven. Let us therefore come, what? Boldly to the throne of grace, we're told. We are safe from the avenger of blood. And the Bible tells us, Numbers 35, verse 25, notice, and the congregation shall deliver the slayer out of the hand of the avenger of blood, and the congregation shall restore him to the city of his refuge, whither he was fled, and he shall abide in it until the death of the high priest, which was anointed with the holy oil. So listen then, the, the, the man who, who now found refuge in the city had to stay there until the death of the high priest. When the high priest died, the person was set, what? Free, beloved. We have a high priest. <laughs> Who, because he died for us, we are now, what? Free. Amen. 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 Now, I have a question for you. In the story here, when the high priest died, the, the Jael could not go back to, the, to his hometown question can we go back to our hometown 
No. Why? Because our high priest liveth forever. Yeah, there's no going back. You have to stay in it. That's the whole goal. Stay in the city. That was the message to the angels in heaven. Stay in the mount of the congregation. Stay in the city. Pray that you may be found worthy to what? Escape. You can't go back to the way things were. As a Christian, you can never go back to the way things were. If you have friends out there, let them come see you. Invite them to the city. <laughs> but you can never leave the city. Our high priest lives forever. But you see, there's something beautiful about these cities. There were six cities of refuge. Here were their names. There were Kadesh, Shashem, Hebron, Bezer, Ramoth, and Golan. These were the six cities of refuge. And each of these names had a meaning. Let me read them to you. Kadesh meaning sanctuary. Shashem meaning shoulder or portion. Hebron meaning friendship or association. Bezer meaning vine or branch. Ramoth meaning eminence or superiority or elevation. And Golan meaning passage or revolution. Beloved, I want you to understand something. These six cities of refuge were all found in elevated places. Jesus said, and I, if I be what? Lifted up, will do what? Draw all men unto me. Anybody remember how many wounds Jesus lifted up? One, two, three, four, five. And he died of a broken heart. Christ lifted up for our sins. These six cities of refuge reflect the reality that you and I must run to Mount. <sighs> yes, somebody got it. <laughs> it is at Mount Calvary, beloved, that that ultimate mountain where when we run to, we are set free from everything in the past, beloved. These six names re reveal the fact that Christ in, in, uh, on the cross, Christ lifted up for us is our sanctuary, our shoulder. He is our alliance. He is our elevation. He is our passage. He is our eminence. It's time to run to the mountain. Beloved, it is only at Calvary where the way of escape is provided. Pray that you may be found worthy to do what? Escape. I remember 
when I made it into the city of refuge. And I was out of breath, boy. Whew. God had forgiven me, and I said, praise God. And I remember as I was looking around the city and checking it out, I saw some people upon the walls of the city, and they were looking out of the city. I'm going to ask myself, Lord, uh, what, are those, what are those people up there doing on the, on the walls of the city? You know what he said to me? They're looking with longing to go where you're coming from. And I thought, Lord, you're kidding, right? <laughs> this is church. This is the mount of the congregation. He says they're looking to leave the city. And I thought to myself, Lord, have mercy. Some of us are playing freeze tag with the devil. You know, in the city I'm safe. Let me try to run out here real quick, do my thing, and then I'll come back to church on Sabbath. Who made it. <sighs> Why are you playing freeze tag with the devil? Why are you tempting? Why are you trying to, 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 to get yourself destroyed? Stay in the city. The devil's simply trying to lure you out of the city. Do you realize what Armageddon is? Armageddon. It says that it's in the Hebrew tongue, and the Hebrew tongue is Har, Mount, Megiddo, meaning rendezvous or meeting place. <laughs> it is, some scholars believe, the very same word used to, to, to describe the mount of the congregation that Lucifer attempted to, to exalt himself over in heaven. So, beloved, the first har Mohed, or the first Armageddon, the first mount of the congregation, was where? In heaven. And the war began where? In heaven. So in the last days, the Armageddon will be Satan's attempt to set himself up over the mountain of God and to draw you out of the city. Pray. That you be found worthy if one third of angels did not escape. Pray. Watch and pray that you be found worthy to escape. Listen, beloved, the avenger of blood, there is something very critical that you and I must understand about this avenger of blood. You see, the Hebrew word avenger of blood, the, the, word, the, the, the word avenger is the Hebrew word gael. And that word is very powerful. It simply means the nearest of kin. So it was the nearest of kin to the person who had died that was the avenger of blood, that, was, that was, had the right to go after whoever had killed his family member. Well, watch this, beloved. Whew. Lord, have mercy. Who were we guilty of killing? Who is his nearest of kin? 
wait a minute, God. Now, here you are in the city. <sighs> I've made it. <sighs> there was this, this guy back there chasing me. <sighs> I couldn't see his face, but I'm glad I'm here now. And God says, my son, that was me. <laughs> wait a minute, God. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. What do you mean that was you? You see, beloved, God loves us so much. You ever see like, um, you know, anybody have puppies? And sometimes you, want, you may want your puppies to go back in the, in the house. You don't want them to get hit by a car in the street. So what are you doing? The puppies are running around, and what are you doing? You're trying to chase them to do what? Get them where? Back in the house? Beloved, do you realize that in Isaiah 59, verse 2, the Bible says that our sins have hidden God's face from us? Wait a minute, God. You mean you were the one that were chasing me back there? And God says, I was the one. I was simply trying to chase you into the city. Isn't that beautiful? God, Jesus says, okay, look, they're guilty. They're guilty. Here's what we're going to do. I'll be the way. God says, okay, and I'm going to chase them. <laughs> the Holy Spirit says, okay, and I'll bring the conviction that they're guilty. And then we'll get them into the city. And it's like God is working in every possible way and means to get you into the place of safety. God, you mean you weren't trying to kill me when you told me to get rid of my music? No, I wasn't trying to kill you. You mean you weren't trying to destroy my soul when you told me I couldn't date that girl? No, I wasn't trying to destroy your soul. We think God is out to destroy us. We think God is out to punish us when he says, no, no, no. And we run, run, run. And then when we get to the city and we look back in hindsight, we go, that was you. That was you. You mean you were the... Notice with me very quickly, if we will. Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. Isaiah chapter 54. And verse 8. Isaiah 54, verse 8. The Bible says, In a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord my Redeemer. You want to know what that Hebrew word is for redeemer? It is a Hebrew word, Gael. Wow. I couldn't see your face back there in the dark. Yeah, because your heart was full of sin. I hid my face from you, but I was only trying to guide you into safety. You know how many, how many people out there in the world think God is out to kill them? Take away their fun, take away their joy, take away their happiness? When God is simply trying to save his people, it is true then that whom the Lord loves, he chases. Whom the Lord loves, 
He chases. And we know, what does the verse really say? Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He chastens. Do you know that the best thing that God could do for us is to chasten us? Is to chase us and to chasten us? You know, the Bible says, uh, uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. In one place, the Bible actually says, beat the, beat the child with the rod, and you will save his soul from hell. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> and, and uh, you know, in a physical sense, that may be true. But, beloved, there is a much deeper truth there. You see, God has a rod. The first time we find this rod coming up on the scene, it is with Moses. And you remember what God said when Moses had this rod in his hand and God said, Moses, throw down that rod. And when he threw the rod down, what did the rod become? A serpent. When he picked it back up, it became a rod again. You know what a rod stands for in Scripture anyway? It stands for dominion. It stands for power, authority, rulership. Beloved, you know that Jesus Christ is called the rod in the scripture. Isaiah chapter 11, the Bible calls him the rod. Listen to me. When Jesus came down to this earth, he became sin for us. Okay, you didn't, you, okay. Moses throws the rod down. It becomes a what? Serpent. He picks it back up. It becomes a rod again. Beloved, Jesus came down to this earth, was treated like a serpent. He became sin for us. Remember Moses said, God told Moses, Lift, make a brazen serpent and put it upon a pole. He came down and was treated like a serpent on our behalf. And now he, he resurrects back to heaven and is back in his place of authority. It is this rod that God tells Moses, take this rod into Egypt. Why is he telling Moses to take the rod into Egypt? How must he feel about Egypt? Spare the rod. Spoil the child. How did God feel about Egypt? How did he feel about the people in Egypt? He loved them. And that's why he said, Moses, take that rod and go into Egypt. What did Moses do with that rod? He made Egypt a miserable place to be. Turned their blood to water so that they would desire something better to drink. I'm sorry, turned their water to blood. So that they would desire something better to drink. Brought lice up in the land and the lice started attacking their flesh. Oh, Paul said, who shall deliver me from this flesh? His desire was to make them see how hateful, how disgusting. He sent frogs into the land. What happened when you have dead frogs? It stinks. The things you once used to find pleasure in when God lays the rod upon your back. 
When God lays the cross, beat the child with the rod and you will save his soul from hell. The best thing God can do is lay the rod upon our backs. And that rod saves us from hell. Everything he did in Egypt was to get them to, to, to hate. When, when you got dead frogs, the land stinks. Man, I don't want to be. How many of you, if this place started stinking, what would you do? Just like totally stinking, stinking, stinking. You know, let's take your hometown. You're, you're at home one day. You're just doo-doo-doo. Then you go to get a drink of water. You turn it on. Hmm, that's strange. Blood. <laughs> Honey, blood is coming out of the uh, faucet. No. How many would be like, blood? Okay, I'm leaving. How many would do that? How many of you would stick around? <laughs> Let's say that your areas are suddenly all the water turned to blood. Life started coming. There were de- How many of you, it would only, probably only take maybe two or three of those things to say, I think I'm going to move over to the East Coast or something. <laughs> God was attempting to make the things of Egypt undesirable. When God lays the rod upon our backs, beloved, when God tells us to come to him, when God tells us to pick up your cross, he's simply trying to make the things of this world undesirable so we might desire something better. And so we leave our old places of habitation and we flee to some place where there is peace and safety. We run to Mount Calvary where we are ultimately prepared for those last days. Whom God loves, he chastens and he chases. Beloved, I want to close with a thought for you. I want to take your minds to that final moment in the history of the wicked. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that the city of God, in fact, Daniel 2 calls it a mountain. This mountain descends out of heaven. And inside the city are all those who fled to the city. Outside the city are those who ignore the avenger. Where are you going to be? You can run to the mountains all you want and end up outside the final mountain of God. But you see, you got to understand something. If God is the avenger, and by the way, you read 1 Thessalonians 4, 6, the Bible tells us right there, God, the Bible comes out and says it, the Lord is the avenger of his people. Who is he seeking to avenge? Who is he avenging? He's avenging his people. God's intent was to avenge you. But here you are outside the city. You see, who was God really after? He was really after the slayer. Who was the slayer? 
Satan. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. God was after the slayer, and he was simply trying to get you into the city of safety so he could deal with the slayer by himself. And how sad it is when God reveals, I was the one that was chasing you. I could have caught you outside the city thousands of times. How, how fast do you think God is? God is running supernatural divine baby steps <laughs> to make sure that he doesn't catch us. I'm coming after you. <laughs> I don't even think he's moving. He's so divine. I'm coming. And we're going, ah! And we're running with all our... our what we think is fast, and it's super-duper slow in the eyes of God. And God, God could easily have caught us outside of the city thousands of times, but now it is too late. You're outside the city. And he says, I was simply trying to drive you to the mountain of God. Beloved, what is holding you up outside of the city? What does the devil have you watching that is keeping you outside of the city? I want to make a simple appeal this morning. This is for those of you who are specifically You've been playing freeze tag with the devil or you're not even in the city. And now you're saying, Lord, I didn't know that was you chasing me all that time. Guide me into the city, Lord. I want to be found in the city. If, if that's your desire, if you are not in the city, and I don't know, there may be, maybe all of you are in the city, I don't know. But if there's one of you who, here, who is here today who is saying, you know what, I know I'm not in the city. And Lord, I want to be in the city now, and I want to be found in that city at the end of time. Lead me, Lord. If that's you, I'm going to ask that you stand to your feet. You know I am not in that city. I am playing freeze tag. Lord, lead me into that city. Beloved, praise God. And I believe some of you are standing just to be an encouragement to somebody else. Amen. But I want to make this even more pointed. You have stood and you realize, or you're not standing yet, and you realize, look, I know I am not in the city. And I want to raise my hand as a public declaration. Lord, as of this day, I am fleeing for the city. Would you raise your hand? If you're standing, you raise your hand. Praise God. Praise God. Beloved, I don't want to meet God outside of the city. You don't want to meet him outside of the city. It's not that he suddenly becomes some mean monster outside of the city. No, Ellen White calls it the mysterious farewell. It's mysterious because God has to say goodbye to, to, to someone that he loved so much, he was willing to invest his own son 
to see that person saved. And they rejected that salvation. It's time to run to the mountain. Heavenly Father, how you love us, that you are willing to do whatever it takes to save us. Father, we pray that we might run to Calvary. That beautiful mount upon which that infinite sacrifice took place. For there, Lord, one thing is certain, we shall be found worthy to escape. There and only there is the way of escape. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us this day. Father, may we be as signposts leading others to the mountain of God. And may not one of us in this room today be found at last outside that city of eternal refuge. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.